that we pick up again in our sermon series, Rest in Peace, a practical plan for peace. Today it is the fourth message in the series. Now, have you noticed every week of the series, every week, the world has shown us not only its inability to produce peace, but its total absence of peace. And I've noticed that as we've moved through these weeks and we've passed through these messages, it seems every single week the world is showing us not just the inability to produce peace, but the truth that it actually does not possess peace. This week, we all know we are all saddened by the shooting at the school in Uvalde. And now as you watch this, it seems there is an urgent search, a frantic search for answers. We are brokenhearted, we are scared, uh, we are hurt, and so there seems to be a frantic search for answers. What can we do? What should we do? All sorts of folks are talking about that. What do we do at this point? Well, let me tell you something today, folks. Uh, We can add more guns, or we can take away all the guns, We could build a fence around the building. We could add security. We could put in more laws. We could elect new people. We can form committees. We can form groups and agencies. We can confiscate. We could legislate. We can try and educate. For those that are mentally impaired, we could try and evaluate. But I want to tell you this. We can find no answer outside of Jesus. That is the truth. We can find no answer outside of Jesus. Let me tell you the good news. The good news is we have the answer. And so the world's all upside down trying to frantically figure it out. The good news is today we have the answer in Jesus Christ. And so today in a world that is broken, a world that is hurting, a world that is longing for peace, we're going to go back to God's formula for peace in our lives. How amazing he gives us that. So in a world longing for peace, today we're going to get to go back to God's formula for peace. Today we're again in John chapter 14, verse 27. That is our anchor verse. We're going to look at some other verses as well. The words of Jesus, John chapter 14, verse 27. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. I want you to hear those words again. Jesus, shortly before he goes to the cross of Calvary, says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we are thankful for your truth. We're thankful for the truth of our Savior, Jesus, the truth. We're thankful that today, no matter what the world is is facing, what situation we might find ourselves, that there is peace in Jesus. And there is hope that endures in Jesus. There is an anchor that hasn't let loose in Jesus. And so I pray, Lord, today as we've come that First off, that we would hold high the name of Jesus, that we would glory in our Savior Jesus, that we would be trained and taught 
and the truth of Jesus, that we would draw closer to Jesus. I pray for some that are hearing this message, maybe in this room, maybe in some other place that do not know you. I pray, Lord, that in this event, in the hearing of good news, that today might be the day of their salvation. I pray that any hindrance will be removed. Lord, I pray for us that are believers today, that we would be calmed, that we would open our ears and our hearts and our minds, and that you would speak, and it would be truly a supernatural event, that we would be instructed at the words of Christ today. Lord, we tell you we love you, and we thank you, we praise you, and we worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As believers, we are given the peace of Christ. As believers, we are to have it because Jesus gives it to us. That's what he tells us in that verse. We are to have the peace of Christ because Jesus himself tells us that he gives us his peace. That means Christians, we're to be filled with peace. Christians, we're to be marked by peace. And so the question of this whole sermon series has been, so are we? Are you, are are we filled with peace? Is that how we could describe you? Are you filled with peace? Are you known for peace? Are you marked by peace the days of your life, the things that you do? Are you marked by peace? Well, the truth is there are some things that we have to do or that we have to embrace to experience and to enjoy the peace of Christ. And that's just how it is. There are some things that we have to do. There are some ideas that we have to embrace in order to enjoy the peace of Christ. Now, I'm going to have a very quick review today. Remember, to have peace, first, you have to know the prince of peace. It means you have to have a saving faith in Jesus. You have to have trusted him as the Savior for your sin. He is the remedy for your sin, and you are trusting him as the Savior, the remedy for your sin. And let me tell you something. If you do not know what that means, you're not saved. That's the reality. You have to know Jesus, not just the name Jesus, not just the idea of Jesus, but you have to personally know Jesus as the Savior for your sin. Be sure of this. There is and there will be no peace in your life outside of a relationship with Jesus. And I want to tell you, if I don't get to say anything else in this sermon series, I want to tell you that. You will have no peace in your life outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the second thing is this. To live in peace, you have to walk with the giver of peace. Now, verse... 27, Jesus says he gives us peace. Well, we have to walk with him as the giver of peace. Now, what that means is we have to walk in obedience. It it means that we have a Christ-centered life. Be very sure this morning, our heart has to be that we would want to seek the direction of Jesus. In all areas of our life, we're seeking the direction of Jesus, and then we are walking in obedience with Jesus. Our life seeks to obey and honor Jesus. Be sure of this. 
You will not find peace in the directing of the world. The world comes along and says, you know what, here's what you do and here's how you do it and here's when you do it. You will not find peace in the directing of the world. You will not find peace in your own directing. Sometimes you think, you know what, I can figure this out. I know what to do. I've been here before. You will not find peace in your own directing. It is in a Christ-centered life, walking with Him, that there is peace. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. It's hard for me to go this fast. I want to stop and preach on each of these for a little bit longer. You're not going to find peace unless you're walking with Jesus. Third thing is this. To live in peace, you have to shut out anything in conflict with peace. To live in peace, you have to shut out anything in conflict with peace. Now, that means you must be committed You must be deliberate. You must be intentional in saying these things, maybe these people are in opposition to peace. They do not bring peace. And you have to distance yourselves. You have to separate yourselves from those things. It's like poison. I've said it two weeks in a row. It's like poison. You cannot take in poison and not expect to become ill, to be sick and to eventually die. When you identify a person or a thing that is in opposition to the peace of Jesus, you have to separate from those things. The fourth thing that we saw, to live in peace, now this is one that may have been surprising, but to live in peace, you have to take back the Lord's day. You have to take back the Lord's day. Now the reality is the Lord's day in the early church the day that they and that we celebrated a risen Savior, it was given to the gathered corporate worship of Jesus. Now listen, it's not legalism. We can do it on any day. But Sunday is our primary day together. And when we gather as the church, when you gather with the church, we set the tone for the week. Some folks go through the week and they wonder, well, I don't know why I have this bad perspective. I don't know why I feel like these things are a monkey on my back. When you set the corporate worship of the church as a priority, you set the tone for the week. You also set the priority for the week. This is what we do. This is what is important. And when we do those things, then the, the, the reality is we are strengthened, we are encouraged, we are equipped, and we move forward in peace. I said this last week. I may start saying it every week. Those of you that endeavored to be here today, let me tell you something. Let me make you a promise. You have a better start on this week than those that couldn't make it. Now, listen, we're not mad at them. I don't know what the, what the, what the problem, what the issue was, but I want to tell you something. There is encouragement in the gathering of the church. There is equipping in the gathering of the church. And we have a better start to the week when we assemble as the church. Bible says, and do not forsake our assembling together as become the practice of some. Bible says, do it all the more as the day draws near. The last thing that we've already covered, to have peace, you have to take it to the top. To have peace, you have to take it to the top. Now that's talking about prayer. There were two parts of that. You have to know who to take it to. Now, the reality is there's no relief in taking it to the wrong person. You can go tell your neighbor. You can tell somebody else. You can gossip all about it. 
but there's no relief in taking it to the wrong person. You have to know who to take it to. The second part of that, and it's more awesome, you have to know who you're taking it to. I thought about this all week. You know, when we go to the Lord in prayer, we're not just throwing off positive vibes. It's not just good thoughts. Listen, when we go to the Lord in prayer, we are talking to the God of all creation. We are talking to the God that's infinite in power and wisdom. There's nothing he can't do. There's nothing he doesn't know. We're talking to the God that is gracious and merciful beyond our understanding, beyond our wildest imaginations. We're talking to the God that is good in all things, the God that is love. To have peace, we have to take it to the top. And that brings us to today. Here we go, picking back up today. To have peace in your life, to live in peace in your life, you have to be an agent of peace. To have peace in your life, you have to be an agent of peace. Now, let me just tell you this. The real issue here all the way through is the question, do you really want peace? And that's, that's the real question. Are you so tired of the absence of peace in your life that you're willing to do something about it? Are you, are you so tired of the absence of peace and the presence of chaos and trouble and drama and all the things of the world? Are you so sick of those things? Are you sick enough to want to do something about it? And that's the question. Do you really want peace? It's, it's not just an idea. Do you really want peace enough to do something about it. Well, do you really want peace? Well, if you do, today you have to be an agent of peace. Now, this has two shapes. We're going to look at both of them. Uh, we're going to look at one of them today and one of them we're going to look at next week. We're going we're to look at both of these, but it has two shapes. The first is this. Being an agent of peace requires you, requires us to be agents of physical peace. Now, what I'm talking about here is actual peace and harmony with others. So there's two sides to being an agent of peace. One of those is actually being a, an agent of physical peace, of peace and harmony with other people. Huh. Be, be sure and hear me today. Be sure and hear this. It is incongruent and it doesn't add up for a person to know the Prince of Peace, to be a disciple of the Prince of Peace, to actually possess and hold the peace of Christ, to be filled with peace and yet be at odds, be in conflict with other people. That doesn't make any sense. That's incongruent. It doesn't make any sense that I would know the Prince of Peace, that I would be filled with peace, that I would possess the gift of peace, and that I would be found at conflict, in conflict with other people. In fact, listen to me. It is not only not possible, it is a lie. Let me tell you something I've learned in 15 years in pastoring a church. 
It is a strange thing in the church, and it may be somewhere else, but I notice it in the church. People that are foul, don't point anybody, that are mean, that are divisive. It's the pattern of their life. They're mean and they're foul and they're divisive and it's what they do. They, they cause trouble and it's not just here and it's not with just that issue, but it's in every issue, everywhere they go. They're never happy. They're never satisfied. They start trouble everywhere they go. And for some reason in the church, we excuse it. In the church, we laugh at it. We say, well, that's just them. I've been to them a million things. And we just say, well, that's, that's just them. It's just how they are. If you think that's bad, you should have met their mother. Listen to me. That doesn't work. And I want to tell you something. It does not add up. It makes no sense for a person that follows the Prince of Peace, that possesses the gift of peace, to be constantly found in conflict with others. Let's look at a verse this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Now, Romans chapter 12 is a great chapter. I would encourage you to read it. It is actually giving us instructions for believers. Okay, you've endeavored to follow Jesus Christ. You've announced you're a disciple of Christ. That's your goal. Well, this is what it practically looks like to live as a follower of Christ. That's Romans chapter 12. It is giving instruction for believers. Well, the section that this verse, verse 18, is found in is talking about what it is to show true love, what it is to show love that's not hypocritical. You see, we have a problem with that in the church, so we like to say one thing but live a different thing. Well, it says, let your love not be with hypocrisy, and this is, this is exactly what it looks like to exhibit true Christian love. Verse 18 says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. What does true Christian love look like? Here's what it says. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Now here is the deal. Physical peace, harmony with others, requires two parties. And if you notice, that's the problem. That's where the issue arises. It requires two parties. Now, here's the thing. Here's the issue. You can only think for one of those parties. You can only act for one of those parties. Now, true harmony and peace requires at least two people, but you only get to move. You only get to decide for one of those parties. But God's Word tells us that that doesn't let us off the hook. Now, here's, here's how this goes. Well, they're not acting right. Well, they did this and they did that, and they're not willing to compromise and say, well, I don't care. I'll do what I want to do. No, God's Word says we're not off the hook if the other party doesn't think the way we do. We have to do our part, meaning this. If there is not peace, if there is not harmony, we have to have done all that we can do. It can't come back to us. It can't be on us. Now, sometimes, I'll just tell you, I get excited about the gospel. I, get, I do. I get excited about the gospel. Can you see the gospel in this? 
I read this, and I'm telling you what, I may be weird, but I can't help but see Jesus in this. He goes to the cross to give us peace. He gives us his own righteousness that we will be reconciled and right with a holy God. And what does the Bible say? He does it while we were yet sinners. The Bible says that when even though most of us are going to reject it, he goes to the cross to offer peace. Even though most of us will rebel and turn against it, as far as it depends on him, peace is given in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. Well, here's the picture in Romans chapter 12. We're to be like Jesus. We're to be small mirrors of our gospel. As far as it depends on us, we're to be at peace with all people. That means this. Listen, you and I, we have to remove any barrier to peace. Now, I like practical steps. Sometimes we hear something and it's a great idea. You say, well, that's a good idea, but what do we do with that? I like practical steps. And so for the rest of our time today, I'm going to give you some practical steps at how to be at peace with all people as far as it depends on you. Now, you may want to write these down. This is not natural to us. These things are not normal to us. Practical steps for you to follow to be at peace with all people as far as it depends on you. All right, here we go. How to have peace as far as it depends on you. Here's the first thing. You have to forgive generously. Forgive generously. The Bible tells us when someone comes to us in repentance that we are under the command of Christ to forgive them. That's the biblical truth. We're not to let them pay the price a little longer. We're not to remind them of it, not to let them stew in it a little longer. We are to forgive generously. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Listen to these words. Be kind to one another, Christians. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now, I want you to hear that. Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Friends, as believers forgiven totally in the grace of Jesus, listen to me, we do not have the right to unforgiveness. Oh, that hurts. Oh, yeah, you don't know the past. You don't know how bad it's been. Listen, as a person forgiven in the grace of Jesus Christ, you do not have the right to unforgiveness. That is so hard. That is so hard. I'm so mad. I'm so hurt. I don't, I don't want to forgive. Listen, I don't want to let it go. I don't want to forgive. As a person forgiven by Jesus, we do not have the right of unforgiveness. That's hard. If you're going to have peace, you're going to have to forgive generously. Second thing, first one is forgive generously. Second thing is this. Seek reconciliation quickly. Seek reconciliation quickly. Now, this is talking about when you did the wrong, when you sinned against another, when you are at fault. 
As fast as you realize that, as fast as you are convicted of that, as fast as you understand that, you're to seek reconciliation. I did it. I sinned. I hurt them. I messed up. You have to quickly admit it, address it, and then seek their forgiveness. Let me tell you something. Maybe the hardest thing ever is to say I was wrong. And I don't know if it's harder to tell people you love that or I don't know if it's harder to tell people you don't like that. But the hardest thing ever is to say, I did it, I did it, I am guilty. And maybe it was in anger and maybe it was in pride and maybe it was in stupidity. Maybe it was in jealousy. It does not matter. But I am wrong and I am sorry. Please forgive me. Maybe the hardest thing ever. Today we like to find excuses. You ever notice that? We like to find excuses. Let me tell you about the world we live in. Today, the world we, like, we live in likes to feed us excuses. Well, you're a product of this, and you're a product of that, and your environment was that. We like to give people excuses. The world likes to feed us excuses. Listen, the character of a believer of Jesus Christ is to quickly seek reconciliation. Notice it says quickly. There are a whole lot of problems that would go away if we didn't wait as the issue escalates. And I want to tell you that's hard, and, and that, that is a hard thing to carry out. But I want to tell you, we'd, we'd, we'd avoid a lot of heartache if when we understood, you know what, I sinned and I messed up, and I need to quickly resolve this, and I quickly took care of it, seeking their forgiveness. Let, let me let you in on a secret. And, and, and we, we need to hear this. Let me let you know a secret. You mess up. You sin. You fall short. We all do. I don't, I don't know why we fight against that. Listen, all of us, we mess up. We fail. We're, we're jealous people. We're selfish people. We're sinful people. Some of you, I see your eyes looking at me. You're, you're like, yeah, but not like them. But not, yeah, but not like them. Yes, like them. Yes, greater than them. We fail. We make a mess of things. We wreck things. We sin. I do. You do. We do. Quickly set it right. Quickly set it right. Forgive generously. Seek reconciliation quickly. Here's the third thing. Man, is this timely. Third thing is this. To be at peace with all people as far as it depends on you. Ooh, some of y'all. All right, here we go. Be hard to offend. Be hard to offend. Now listen, not in hard-headedness. I know some people, you can't upset them because they're like a brick wall. I'm not talking about that but in grace, but in kindness. Be hard to offend because you're so gracious. You could say overlook an offense. Be hard to offend. We live in an age when people are looking to get offended. And I, I believe that people are looking to get offended. It's like they love it. It's like, it's like they find status in it. I, I, I have a position because you've offended me, and, and I'm upset, and you need to do something about that. We, we live in a society that can't wait to say, I am offended. 
Listen to this. Proverbs 17, verse 9 says, He who conceals a matter seeks love. Do you know sometimes you don't have to start a fight? Do you know sometimes somebody can wrong you and you can say, It's okay, I understand. You've had a bad day. Maybe you've had a bad year. It is a gracious thing to conceal a matter. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, Love covers a multitude of sin. You know what? It's okay. I understand. It is a sin. We're not denying that. But love covers a multitude of sin. Proverbs 19, 11 says, It is to one's glory to overlook a transgression. Now what that means is, it speaks well of you to overlook a wrong done to you, not to have to go settle it with a fight. It speaks well of you to say, I'm offended, I've been hurt, I've been injured, but I'm going to overlook it in grace. In Route 2, Vernon Hebrew, that's a whole separate book. In Route 2, Vernon Hebrew, here's what that translates. Get over it. Get over it. Get over it, not in hard-headedness, but in grace and in kindness. Get over it. We must not be easily offendable. Be gracious. Next one's hard. These are hard, I'm realizing. These are hard. Next one's hard. Next one is this. To be at peace with all people, as far as it depends on you, here's what you have to do. Do not seek to pay back. Do not seek to pay back. Listen to me, be sure there is no peace in the game of retribution. There is only escalation if we seek to pay back. And I want to tell you, if you pay back, you know what they're going to do? They're going to pay back. And you know what? How they're going to pay back is bigger than how you paid back. And you know what? You're going to get a belly full of it, and you're going to pay them back, but it's going to be bigger than how they paid you back. There is no peace in the game of retribution. Yet human instinct is, I have to set it right. And man, we can justify it. I got to protect other people. I got to set it right. I got to pay you back. I got to make sure that you suffer and you suffer more than the injury you impaired me with. And an eye for an eye grows. And before long, it's off with their heads. About nine years ago, time is fast. About nine years ago, Will was five. And y'all remember that stage? He wanted to be a bull rider. And he, he would ride sheep and he would ride a steer. And we took him to a couple places. They have these little youth rodeos. We took him to a couple of those places to, to ride. He wanted to be a bull rider. We went to Henrietta. <laughs> and it was actually a, some kind of church <laughs> Youth rodeo, which it may be funny in a minute, but it's a church youth rodeo. And he went there and he was going to ride a sheep. And there they put an actual rope on it. It's not like here. And they sit up on the rope. There's about 15 kids entered in his division. And he's going to ride this sheep. He's all excited. He's been talking about it for three days. He's ready to go. We get there, and I didn't know it, that you may know it. There's a professional bull rider that lives in Henrietta. And guess what? He had a son that was in my son's class. And so they show up, and this guy, he's on the PBR tour, and he evidently knows the tricks of this deal. So they put the kid on the sheep, and they put the rope there, and they tie it through his spurs. True story. 
They tied it over the back of his spurs. Here's what they did. They tied the kid to the sheep, basically. So this kid, he's on there, and he's tied to the sheep. And he, he can't get off if he wants to get off, but he's tied to the sheep. And he's ready to go, and he gets his hat pulled down, and his dad's got a buckle, and he's all big. And he says, all right, and they let him out. And he bucks, and he goes, and he bucks. I think the sheep rolls over and comes up, and the kid's still on it when he gets back up. It goes, and it goes, and you can't get the kid off the sheep. After about 60 seconds, they have to catch the sheep and pull the kid's spurs out of the rope. Will's watching. He gets his turn. His dad's a preacher, and so here's what I said. Grab that rope and don't open your hand. <laughs> he gets on that little sheep, and he rides it, and he rides it, and it turns, and he rides it, and then a buzzer rings six seconds, and then it dumps him off. And his head hits the dirt, and his shirt plows into the dirt, and then that little sheep, they got pointy little hooves, steps on the back of his leg, and it tore his jeans and cut his calf, and he got second place. And so he got up, and his leg's bleeding. He walked over to his dad, and he said, face is red. That wasn't fair. That wasn't fair. And I said, no, that wasn't fair. He said, that's not right. That's not right. And I said, no, that's not right. And he looked all the way around this crowd. He looked over at those people, and he said, I want to fight everybody here. And I said, I agree. We better go home. And so we, we go stomping out of that place. Isn't that our instinct? Isn't that our instinct? It's worse if people are watching. It's worse if others know. And I got to make them pay. Romans chapter 12 verse 19 says, never take your own revenge. God will repay. God will settle the scores. Listen, you don't have to be in the revenge business. Romans 12, 17 says, never, not sometimes, never pay back evil for evil. It's not denying that it was not evil. It's evil. But you never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Listen, as believers, that's not our business. As believers, that's not our job. If you're going to be at peace with people, you do not seek to pay back. All right, the next one. Next one we may not expect as well. Here's the next one. The next one is this. Choose your friends wisely. Choose your friends wisely. I'm going to let you in on a secret. Did you know there are people that like for you to have conflict? Did you know that? They like for you to have conflict. They, they like to see you mad. There's people that like to see you mad. They like to see you come undone. They want to see you blow up. In fact, they encourage that, and they push that. They fuel that. They like to see you come undone. Oh, look how mad they are. I want to be honest with you. Those folks aren't your friends. You need no friends if those are the people you're running with. Proverbs 22, verse 24, there's several verses that say the same thing. Proverbs 22, verse 24 says, listen, do not associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot-tempered man. Verse 25 says, or you will learn his ways and find a snare for yourself. Listen, angry people, foul people, 
People that are hot-headed, they like to draw people in. They like to get people stirred up as well. Do not let them pull you in. It will be for your demise. Your snare will be set. Choose your friends wisely. All right, last piece. We're about done. Last piece of practical advice to be at peace with all people as far as it depends on you. Are you ready for this? Here it is. Are you ready for it? Are you sure you're ready for it? Ouch. Shut your mouth. Some of y'all are saying, oh, no, he didn't say that. I'm going to give me a new church next week. Listen to me. Here's the deal. To be at peace with all people as far as it depends on you, unless you're forgiving somebody and you're in the process of that, or unless you're confessing something and you're in the process of that, listen to me, friend, you do not need the first word. You do not need the last word. You do not need the next word. Most of the time, you do not need even another word. Shut your mouth. Friends, most of our problem situations, most of our trouble issues, most of the areas where we find no peace are fueled by somebody's tongue that will not quit wagging. Listen, think about it. Think about the issues in your family, the issues at your job, the issues in our culture. Most of those things are stirred up and ignited by people that will not stop wagging their tongues. In our Sunday night study of Proverbs, I don't know if I said it, it'd be the best thing you could do tonight to be back for that. Almost weekly, God's wisdom says it a little bit nicer, but it says, shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Gossip, shut your mouth. Anger, shut your mouth. Proverbs 26, 20. Listen to this. For a, listen to this. For a lack of wood, the fire goes out. And where there is no whisperer, contention, strife, quiets down. Here's the big lesson. If you take the wood out of the fire, the fire burns down. Isn't it interesting? And I guess with age, I'm old now, I see this. Isn't it interesting how silence is often tied to peace? That's where we get peace and quiet from. You know what? I, I, that TV's too loud. There's restaurants I won't go to. I say, it's just too loud. I don't want to eat when it's that loud. Isn't it interesting how peace and quiet go together? To have peace with others as far as it depends on us. Listen, I can't get in their head. I can't change how they think. I can't change their steps, their actions. But here's what I can do. I can shut my mouth. I can shut my mouth. We're going to end right there tonight, today. We're going to come to the second side of this point next week. But as we end, I want you to hear this. As peace-filled people, as people that are people of Jesus, as people that hold his peace, in our daily practice, listen to me, it matters how we respond. It matters how we talk. Well, listen, it matters how we respond. It matters how we talk. And in practice, in the days of our life, as followers of Christ, we should be gracious we should be forgiving. 
We, we should be so hard to offend that you say you can't upset them. We tried. I've seen whole, whole sets of folks. You can't upset them. They're kind. They're long-suffering. You want to go one mile, they'll go four. They're patient. These are gentle people, these followers of Jesus Christ. As we go through life, it matters how we live. We ought to be gentle people. Why? Because the lost world is watching you. Because the world is suffering in the absence of peace, that their guts are torn up, and they're going to bed at night, and they can't find any peace because they're looking is there hope? Is there a difference? Is there a Savior gracious in peace? The world is watching. The world needs our kind Savior. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come, and I just start off by saying, forgive me and forgive us. For we've stirred up strife where we've wanted to hold on to anger and unforgiveness, where we thought we had an issue that was bigger than your word, the command that you've directed. Forgive us, Lord, where we, we, we wanted to pay somebody back. We wanted to see them hurt the way we've hurt. Forgive us, Lord. Help us now, knowing Jesus, filled with the Spirit of God, to be agents of peace in our physical relationships and the, the people that are around us. Help us to be so gracious that a lost world takes note. Help us to be so kind that they would know that our Savior changes hearts and changes minds. That in that, they would find a Savior that would change their eternity. Lord, we thank you for this, this message today. I pray that we would take hold of it, that we would be different leaving here. And then I'm most thankful for a Savior, kind to sinners, gracious to rebels, forgiving long-suffering, slow to anger, that gave us forgiveness in, in the cross of Calvary. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray if there's somebody listening today and they can't find peace because they don't know you, I pray in the hearing of this message that even today, right now, that they would turn to you and they would trust you. And I, Lord, I come and I, I hold them up to you and I pray for power to hold the gospel up to them. We give all this to you and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you, the, the biggest thing of all these messages is there's peace in Jesus. And if you've never met Jesus, if you never claimed him as your Savior, the remedy for your sin. You see, the Bible says in our sin, we have cut ourselves off from a holy God. In our sin, we've earned a punishment, separation from God, death. If we die in that state, death for eternity, separation for eternity. But the good news of the gospel is this. There is a Savior that loves you. There is a Savior that sees you. And in his great grace, even as we were yet sinners in full rebellion, he comes and he takes your penalty and he pays it. He takes God's wrath towards sin and he settles it in himself. And he offers you in great kindness his righteousness. If you've never trusted Jesus, turn to him today. He'll save you today. He'll forgive you today. If you're sitting here saying, you know what, I can't find peace, listen, You'll not find it outside of Jesus. Trust him today. He'll save you today. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. You come, and it'll be a great testimony to our Prince of Peace, of his finished work on the cross, of our position in him, not as part of our salvation, but in a celebration testifying to our salvation. You come. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. And together we'll serve upholding his word 
for his glory until he comes again. Maybe today as you hear these points, maybe you're saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me be forgiving. Lord, help me get past some things that I can't get past. You empower that. Maybe you want to come pray with me here at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray here at the altar. God says nothing is too big. He says nothing is too small. We're going we're to stand and we're going to sing. Listen, if God's speaking to you, you come on. You want to pray, you come on. You want to talk, you need more information, you come on. Let's settle it today. As we stand and sing, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.